We know that you're asking us to go deeper. And Lord, we know you're asking us to go deeper in a way that is, uh, it may be uncomfortable. It may be something that takes us outside of who we think we are. But Lord, we know that you know who we are and that where you're asking us to go, uh, it's going to unwrap us. It's going to show us who we are. It's going to show you who we are. And so, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be led by you, for the opportunity to be led by the Spirit. Because, Lord, we relinquish what we want, and we want to step into the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to make the right step. We want to take the right turn, uh, the correct turn. Lord, and we place all of our trust in you in order to do that this morning. So, Lord, thank you. Be here, Jesus, Spirit, Father, we need you. I need you this morning. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to run through this place. Open up the word so that we can see more of your character and more of who you are. So, Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. What's up? A little different this morning, huh? I have hair. You know, the other square doesn't have any hair. You get the, the square 2.0, one a little bit younger. Um, but yeah, this is the this is the maiden voyage for, for me, preaching in front of you guys. And I just want to say that it's an honor. It's been a long time coming for this one, um, for me to be standing up here. And wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that 30 seconds into this thing, I'm going to get all misty-eyed. But <laughs> you guys just got to know that. Since I was little, I knew that I'd be here. Um, and I spent a lot of time running from it. But God's got me. <laughs> amen? He's got you too. So I'm going to be saying amen a lot. Hopefully you guys say amen in return. I like to talk to people. You know what I'm saying? Um, we're not going to take it down south where we got people jumping all over the place. But hey, like I say when I'm up on the piano, if you choose to do that, that's okay. All right? I'm into that. Um, but again, thank you for being here. We're gonna we're gonna jump into some stuff this morning that I feel like is uh, super important. The Lord's putting it. He He put this on my heart as uh, I was on vacation, and vacation was amazing. Vacation was the Lord teaching me about myself, but more so teaching me that look in who you are. I need you to get up, and I need you to go do something. I need you to move. There's something about momentum that when 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 you obey the Lord, when you step into what the Lord is asking you to step into, it creates this momentum that allows you to be in a position where you can ask for something. And I don't know if everybody in here has a bulletin. Hopefully you do. Um, but on the top of that bulletin, there's a, there's a title that says obedience, the seed to your inheritance. Now we're going to get to that. Um, but that word obedience and that word inheritance like I want you guys to understand the seriousness of that. That everybody in here, as you look at me and I look at you, you have an inheritance. You have something that is stored up for you as we speak right now. Now, the God that I serve doesn't have something stored up for me that is going to hurt me, that is going to put me at a disadvantage, that's going to put me somewhere where I lack something or I'm without, right? So that inheritance is... Something that's absolutely amazing. 
who in here doesn't want that? You know what I'm saying? What what kind of uh, follower of Christ or believer wouldn't want all of what he's got for you? Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to come out of Joshua 14, 6 through 15. And this is a story of a man named Caleb. And Caleb was one of the two spies that was sent into um, the land to basically survey the land, check it out, see what's going on, bring a report back to Moses Joshua at the time. Um, And it's something that he was asked to do that was, how do I say this, it was put through Moses to ask these guys to do this. So it wasn't really Joshua and Moses who was asking, it was God himself who was saying, look, I'm going to appoint you two, Caleb and this other guy, to go do this. All right, now the cross-reference for today is Joshua 2. Joshua 2, the entire chapter, is the actual story of Caleb and this other guy going into this this land to check this stuff out. There's um, there's so much in here, guys, that, I mean, I only got two weeks, okay? <laughs> this week and next week, I wish that I had six months. There will be a time when I'll, I'll have it all and I'll say, man, I wish that I was only up here for two weeks. <laughs> so it's going to probably flip. But I only got two weeks to communicate some of this stuff to you guys. So instead of going through Joshua 2 first and then hitting Joshua 14, we're going we're gonna to switch them. We're going to go through Joshua 14. We're going to look at some things. We're going to get to the scriptures. Um, and I just want to promise you guys something that as I stand up here, I promise you I'm going to preach the word. That's what we're going to do. That's what we do at ESS. That's what the leadership who's brought me up has taught us. What to do. So the personality might be different. I'll try not to make up my own words. That probably isn't going to work. Um, but, you know, you get a little bit of Johnny Square and me, my mannerisms and stuff like that. But I promise to preach the word. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that this morning. I'm going to go through Joshua 14 and then hit Joshua 2. So, hey, it's a pleasure to be in front of you guys this morning. Amen. Come on now, you gotta talk to brother. I'm gonna be doing this all day. I don't know if I like the podium up here or down here. We're just figuring it out today. Alright, so if middle of the message I just toss this thing somewhere, don't be afraid. It's okay. Spirit's just flowing. Alright? Alright, so in order for me to set this up for you guys this morning, I gotta, I gotta give an introduction. And you guys know introductions can last anywhere from five minutes to 95% of the entire message. Um, the interesting thing about preparing a message is, you know, you can spend so much time reading the scripture and studying and getting into things and letting the Lord speak to you and putting stuff down on paper. And the moment you get up here, the Lord could change it just like that. So I'm, I'm praying that he doesn't change it because, hey... I got a lot of good stuff here, I feel like, but if he wants to do that, he can do that. So bear with me here as we get through this introduction. But in order for us to understand Joshua 14 and this thing, this inheritance, uh, having your heart in a place where you can ask for your inheritance, uh, I gotta, I just got to set this up. So bear with a brother. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to start out by, by making a statement, and throughout this whole thing, I'm going to make three statements. And I want you to catch these statements because they're important. And so the first of these three statements is that it doesn't matter what you do. The only one who can change a man's heart is Christ himself. 
is God and the Holy Spirit. That's it. When it comes to the point where somebody actually gives their life to the Lord, that is a transaction that happens only between Christ and that person. Okay? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here when when Christ says that we're supposed to be used as tools. Like, we can influence all day long. Your relationships, the people who you're sitting next to right now, the people who you are connected with, God put you in their life for a reason. He put them in your life and everyone else's life and how it's all connected. It's connected for a reason. So don't hear me say that you're not important to the person next to you. You are. Because you're being used as a tool. You can influence. You can um, affect somebody's life. But when it comes to changing a man's heart, changing a woman's heart, that's Christ's job. And he set it up that way. So I want us to understand that as we move through this message, as I move through this introduction. So does everybody got that? Do, do, I mean, do we understand that? Amen? Come on now. I might start singing on this thing. That's the other thing is that it's going to be real hard to let go of being the worship pastor. So if I just, you know, break out in song and dance, bear with me, all right? That stuff is in me and is deeply rooted. <laughs> deeply rooted. And so with that understanding... That the only one who can change a man's heart is Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit himself. That's it. See, something I want to I wanna say to you guys is that young people in the room, those of you who aren't married, maybe you've gotten yourself into a relationship or seen somebody who um, is very, very important to you. I don't know. But, but what you see in that person is the potential. You've dated somebody, and I can throw my hand up. You know, I'm not married yet. <laughs> Please keep praying for me in that regard. Um, but in my relationship past, I've actually gotten into a few relationships based on the potential of that person rather than the reality of where they're at. Uh, I saw the potential. I was like, oh, my goodness, this could be this. This could be that. Instead of saying, look, this is what this is. Okay, maybe you're at work. People who are older. I don't. I, I want to be careful when I say older. Um, People who have more experience in life, okay? Got more years under your belt. Maybe there's somebody at work who you're trying to influence, you're trying to, um, in a sense, put the gospel out in front of this person and be in this person's life and do everything you can to get this person to a place where they see Christ, where they experience Christ. Maybe somebody's doing that to you right now. I don't know. I What I hope and I pray is that regardless of the situation, as believers... Um, and this is a side note. I don't want a rabbit trail, but I'm hoping that we are better listeners than let me shove the Bible down your throat type people. Does that make sense when I say that? That a lot of times we, we don't have the ability, well, we have the ability, but we don't uh, necessarily take the time to listen and see where somebody's at. We just wait for them to stop talking so I can just give you everything that I think you need and I haven't heard you at all. So these 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 instances where we try to change the situation. Now, some of you guys have been married. How long have you two been married? A year. Hey. And then we got Jerry and Veronica. They've been married for 50 years, right? My goodness. Doesn't matter if you've been married for a year or 50. And that person is your husband and your wife. There's nothing you can do to change that person's heart. You can't. You can influence, you can sit down and have conversations and talk to each other till you're blue in the face about, look, 
you need to pick up the room, alright? Got your, your stank socks all over the place, alright? These are hopefully not issues that cause you to reconsider the contract that you've entered into with that person, alright? But all I'm saying is that regardless of if you're super close, regardless of if you are an acquaintance at work, whatever it is, uh, maybe you've gotten in a situation where um, you've seen something in somebody, but yet, um, like uh, what I was explaining earlier about dating, or excuse me, my dating relationships where I looked at the potential rather than where somebody was at. I tried to change somebody into something who I, excuse me, into somebody who I wanted them to be rather than who they were at the moment. All right. All of that is to explain, okay, you can't change somebody. You need the Holy Spirit to change you. You need the Holy Spirit to change someone else. All right. So I just want to make sure that we, we, we understand that as I jump into this stuff, as we continue in this long introduction. But all we can do is influence and be used as a tool by the Lord. And again, at the same, at the same time, at the end of the day, it's Jesus. Now, let me, let me further explain something. Now, you, we hear Rick talk about farming quite a bit. Grew up on a farm. Alright. Um, I have a, a respect for people who jump into that line of work because it's hard, man. It's tough. You gotta be up before the sun's up. And oftentimes you go to sleep, um, after the sun goes down. Lots of hard stuff. Um, would it make sense? And truck with me on this, please. Would it make sense for a farmer to see the potential in a plot of land, whatever it is, a field, I don't know, just land, period? Would it make sense for him to then spend all of his time preparing that land, influencing that, that soil, and literally pouring his blood, sweat, and tears into that? Would it make sense for his reaction some, I don't know, I don't know how long it takes for certain things to grow. Let's just call it three weeks, four weeks. Would it make any sense for four, in four weeks for him to get frustrated, alright? When he's put in all that time, he hasn't planted anything. All he's done is he's prepared the soil. He influenced the soil. He was used as a tool to make this, this land ready to bear a crop, to bear fruit so he can harvest would it make any sense for him to not plant a seed knowingly okay not plant a seed and then be frustrated when he doesn't have anything growing out of the ground like what sense does that make this much right here zero zero sense he would have to put something in the ground after having prepared it after having being used in order for something to grow Now, what about people who like to plant flowers <laughs> or gardens or anything like that? Now, Colorado is known now for something different other than being beautiful. Uh, legislation has passed that weed and pot and all that stuff is, that, that's what Colorado is known for. All right, so what I'm about to say, don't let your mind go there. <laughs> this is just what I'm saying. What if somebody went out and got the best pot imaginable? A pot an actual pot that you plant things in, okay? Not the other stuff. Don't let your mind go to the gutter now. What if someone got the best present, something to present these flowers, the best presentation? I don't know what you want to call it. It's all, how do they say it? Bedazzled, done up, 
You know what I'm saying? Got stuff on there that's just like, wow, that shouldn't be on a pot. That's ridiculous. So what if somebody went out and spent time and money to get that and then got the best potting soil imaginable, put it in there, prepared this thing, found the best place in the house for this thing to sit where it's going to grow, right? What sense does it make to not plant anything in that soil and then get frustrated when three weeks later nothing grows? Again, it makes no sense. But ladies and gentlemen, how often do we do that? How often do we put time in, go to sleep later, get up earlier, and then get frustrated when nothing grows? Like, how do we fix that? What is, what's wrong with that picture? This story, I'm going to get through a little bit more of this, but this story teaches us about what it means to plant and plant efficiently and effectively. That everything that you do on a daily basis is that. You're planting something. Now, are you planting a seed with something that's going to grow for something that's going to grow and bring life? Or are you going to plant something that's going to choke life out? Because there's both. That's a question that I posed to you guys this morning. What kind of seeds are we planting here? Now here's kind of the the biggest, I want to say it's the biggest statement of the three that I've made this morning. The first one was what? Hey, you can't change anybody. All you can do is influence. All you can do is get them to a place where, hey, the Lord is going to do his thing. But you, you, you got to let the Lord use you, all right? But here's this statement. I don't want everybody to, to, to pay attention to me when I'm saying this because this is this is it. This is what the Lord said to me on my vacation that I feel is something that I got to communicate to you guys that is not only um, it not only has individual implications, but it has corporate implications for us as a church. So here it is. You got to write it down. I'll say it a couple times if you want to write it down. All right. The rain means nothing unless you've planted a seed. The rain means absolutely nothing unless you've taken the time to plant something. Okay, now, let me tell you first what that doesn't mean, (laughs) and then I'll tell you what it means. What it doesn't mean is that we go out now and we just plant whatever we want. Hey, Pastor Square said that, look... We got to go plant seeds. We just, we got to get on it. I don't care what we're doing. We're going to go out that door. First, we're going to get our coffee. Then we're going to go plant seeds. All right. That's what that, it doesn't mean you have free reign to kind of just go plant and do whatever you want. All right. What it does mean and what it does require is that statement requires a, a, a measure of wisdom and it requires a measure of discernment because Here's what that statement does. It forces you to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. It forces you to do that. If you're going to go plant seeds, you got to, number one, plant the right seeds. Because <laughs> if you don't, I think that we all have instances in our life where we've tried to plant something and it died. Maybe because we didn't plant it in the right place. Maybe because we didn't plant it at the right time. Maybe because it wasn't the right seed to plant. 
How about, what, what would it be like if we got rid of all those questions? And we just knew that, hey, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because we took the time to get on our knees, speak to the Lord. And then you know what? We had the courage enough to listen. You have the courage enough to respond. You have the courage enough to get up out of your seat and actually go do the very thing that he's asking you to do. See, we can hear the Lord. We can hear him. But if you don't do what he's asking you to do, then, guys, what's the point? I'm a good hearer of the Spirit. Woo! All right. Good job, Pastor Square. But am I a good doer? The fruit would say yes, and the fruit would say no. Does it make sense? You guys trucking with the brother? All right. Right on. So, the the rain means nothing unless you've planted a seed. And again, that doesn't mean that you go plant whatever seed you feel like whenever and wherever. I love that this points back to the cross. I love that it points back to the fact that, hey, I need to have an intimate relationship with Christ. I, I have to. Because I have to hear his voice. I have to know what to plant. Now again, we look at this sermon title. And this this is the last of the three statements. But it says obedience, the seed to your inheritance. And like I was saying earlier, everyone in here has an inheritance. But there's a but. What makes... I want to say this the right way. The the kicker in here with this statement is, are you in a position to ask for it? You have an inheritance, all right? But are you in a position to ask for it? Okay, we started out by saying, look, nobody can change anybody's heart except for Christ. And then we, excuse me, continue by saying that, look, the rain means nothing unless you planted a seed. Well, what, is, what does that mean? It means that if I'm letting Christ change my heart and growing, that the only one who can make anything grow is Christ, is Jesus, is the Spirit. All right? So this next, this next statement that obedience is the seed to your inheritance, I want to plant a seed of obedience. Amen? That's what we're going to see in Joshua 6. Uh, excuse me, 14, 6 through 15. That I, I want us to understand the seriousness and the depth of when you obey the Lord. And it's not obedience for the sake of this is what I'm going to get after that. You don't see that. And we'll go, we'll go over that. That's, that's in these verses. What it is is I'm going to be obedient for the sake of obedience itself. Because that's what God has asked me to do. I'm not, I'm not being obedient so I can get something because then that messes with the motive. The Lord knows your heart. <laughs> he knows why you do what you do. He knows what you do behind closed doors. He knows all of it. So obedience, the seed to your inheritance, man, I just want to stop talking so I can get to the scripture, but I just got to set this stuff up for you. Are you in a position where you can ask for it? Now, if you haven't already turned there, let's turn to Joshua 14. There's a way to ask for your inheritance. I'm going to say this now. I was going to say it later. 
But we see through the prodigal son that, hey, that's not the way to ask for your inheritance, right? <laughs> so there's there's uh, stories in the word that that communicate that there's a good way to do things and there's a bad way to do things, and there was a there's a result of both. Now you look at the prodigal son. Now this boy just busts the door in and is like, "Look, Dad, there's some things that are mine." And I want them. Can I have them? Because I got to go do some stuff. I just, I don't care. I just got to go do some stuff. Now we read on in that story that he spends it all and he winds up basically crawling back to his, uh, to his dad's footsteps, uh, doorsteps. And you know, dad welcomes him and has a banquet for him and is just happy that he's home. And that's a whole nother story, a whole nother preaching. But we see that that's not the way that you ask. That's not the way that you approach the throne. That's not the way that you approach authority. What I love about this verse, about this passage, let me say that, is that it teaches us a couple things. Number one, it teaches us about momentum and the importance of it. Okay? It teaches us about approaching authority, both earthly and heavenly. And again, I got to stop there for a second and just say, for whatever reason, my generation has a problem with authority. <laughs> we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to uh, approach it. We don't know how to respect it. We don't know how to honor it. Now, I'm not saying that that's 100% of my generation, but there's a good good handful. Um, Beck and I have the wonderful opportunity, we have to say it like that, of coaching high school track. <laughs> And I'm telling you, I've never hit a kid, but I shake the mess out of one. You'll have shaken high school syndrome before you're done with me. Because there's times where these kids walk in to practice, and it's like they just walked off the Olympic whatever, and you they feel like you owe them something, or they're owed something. Now, um, I disciple a high school kid in here, and I'm not talking about you, Avery, okay? I just want to let you know that, so don't take what I'm saying and then leave the church and take your family with me, all right? I need you guys to stay. I need there to be a church when I'm done preaching, all right? Um, but for whatever reason, these kids think they got a sense of entitlement. I don't know what it is with my generation, but that's something that I feel like the Lord has put on put on me and the, the, the people who he's allowed me to, to lead and oversee that, hey, that's something that we got to address. That's something that we got to get after, um, but again, what this verse, what this passage will show us is momentum, how to approach authority. And it's going to show us something about confidence. I think that's big. And the last thing is going to, is going to show us about strength in our waiting. There's an endurance in our waiting that I feel like the Lord is trying to get from us. That if we... <laughs> If we have strength in our waiting, it's, it's, it communicates something. It says that, you know what, I trust and I'm here and it says all these good things rather than, you know what, at the first sign of something not going right, I'm out. Now I'll throw my hand up and say that, look, I've done that before and I probably have done it last week. That's something that the Lord's working on me in. I know that he's working on us in. That when it doesn't look the way that we want it to look, why is it that we have to take a step in the opposite direction away from the Lord? See, this whole passage gets at that stuff. Um, 
Again, I'd love to be able to go through Joshua 2 first. But my goodness, that's six months of preaching right there. I don't want to cram that all into to, to one one day, to 45 minutes. So, um, Now, you guys with me this morning still? All right, finally. Huh. Let's get to the scripture. My goodness. Y'all need to stop listening to me talk. But honestly, I hope that you guys are... Are right there with me in all the things that I've that I've communicated up until this point. So yes, I love it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise it, Jesus. All right, Joshua fourteen, starting off in verse six. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this, and we're going to go back and look at some stuff. All right. So just bear with me um, as I read through this. So starting off in verse six, it says, "Then the son of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal." And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, I think, the Kenzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him, and it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land of which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. For war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there. With great fortified cities, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out. As the Lord has spoken. Verse 13. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. I want to have a problem with that one. Um, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was uh, formerly Kiriath Arba, from Arba, and was the greatest man among the Anakim, then, I love this, then the land had rest from war. Okay, now, it may seem like a lot. There's a lot in there. I'm just going to go right back up to verse 6, and we're just going to start talking about this stuff. Now, earlier I talked about this thing called momentum. All right? Now, as I'm speaking about this stuff, I want you guys to keep this word obedience in your mind. Now, in verse 6, it says that then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua. Now, Sometimes all it takes is just one little step. It takes one little step in the right direction. You may have financial issues. You may have issues in relationships. You may have issues. I don't know what. They're just issues. All right? The Lord is asking you to get up and move and do something. Okay, we can't just sit around and and, and wish and hope for a pot to appear on the counter and for magically potting soil to jump into that thing and then out of nowhere something grows you got to draw near you got to get up and you got to go that creates momentum 
you got to give something to the Lord to work. You got to give the Lord something to work with. Amen. Now see. The second half of verse six, where it says, you know, the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. I was 45 years old when the Mo- uh, I'm not going to keep reading it, but how he drew near was so important. He didn't come saying, look, look what I've done. Look, look at the fact that I've waited this long. OK, I'm sick of waiting. I've waited for 45 years and, you know. I'm ready for what's mine. He didn't come in and bust the door down and just start spouting all this stuff that came from him. What he did is he came with facts and he came with a word that was spoken to him through Moses by the Lord. How differently would we approach situations if we came in like that? We didn't come in full of emotion. We didn't come in saying, look, this is what I deserve. Okay, I'm just going to bust the door down and I'm just going to let him know. How he drew near is just as important as the fact that he drew near. So you guys trucking with me on that? This speaks to approaching authority. Now, one thing I want to say about approaching authority is that all authority is on loan from God himself. All of it. Even those who are non-believers. So you in your workplace, let me, see, let me just, let me just get to the point with this one. You disrespect authority in your workplace. You disrespect authority, um, anywhere else. You're slapping God in the face. Because He set it up. It's not that person. It's Jesus Christ Himself. It's not me. It's not my dad. It's not Rick. It's not Beck. It's not anybody in here who has authority. You're not trying to please them. You're trying, you, you gotta understand that that authority is on loan. And so when that is disrespected, you're disrespecting Christ. I hope that gives you a good perspective on how to deal with authority. That number one, you have to respect it. Number one, you have to honor it. Because it's Christ's. It's Jesus. It's manifested. It's uh, created by. It's it's all his. It's all his. If If we had that perspective, we would treat authority a little bit different. Uh, he came with facts about a promise that came from the Lord, not from Caleb. It wasn't Caleb's history. It was Christ. It was, uh, excuse me, what God was saying to Moses in a promise. Now, verse 7, real quick. It says, I was 45 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back from him, and it was in my heart. Now, what we're going to see next week in Joshua 2, verses 2 through 3, is something I just want to get a little snippet of today, and then we're going to talk about it next week, is that when the Lord asks you to do something, the enemy doesn't like that at all. And he's going to do everything he can to get you off of that track, that path. So if we were to go back into Joshua 2, and read verses 2 and 3, what happened was the king of that land figured out that there were spies there. And what he wanted to do was go find them. So he sent out a word that, look, there's people here trying to check this place out. We've heard about them. We know that the Lord precedes them. And anywhere they go, they completely annihilate that place. So what I want to do is I want to find these two guys. Caleb and this other guy, they heard that. Now, that's a legitimate enough reason to stop and go back to where they were. Huh. 
Does that make sense? There's going to be so many legitimate reasons for you to not obey on a daily basis. That earlier when I said you have to have enough courage in order to follow the Lord, there's going to be a myriad of reasons to not do that. But your obedience in the moment is going to speak so much to the Lord. And he's the one you want to be speaking to. Amen? So I want you guys to catch that one. I want to encourage you that, look, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to obey. It's going to be hard to step into obedience because there's going to be legitimate reasons that say, look, don't do this. Just don't. These guys' lives are in the balance because back then, you look at a king wrong, you're, you're gone. Sorry. Head off. No more. It's not like you get beheaded and then wake up the next day and say, whew, what a day. All right, I'm going to go out here and do this again. No, you're dead. <laughs> Let's catch a hold of that one, all right? All right, Alex, you got to stop. So verses 7 through 9, um, Caleb just kind of recounts the, the history of, of this is what Moses said. I'm just going to jump to verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land of which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever. And this is this is it. This is like, this is the point of the entire sermon today. He says this three times in this passage. He says, because you have followed the Lord fully, fully, 100%. I'm going to jump to verse 10 real quick, and then we're going to come back to that. It says, now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke those 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I'm 85 years old today. Okay, when I plant something, when farmers put seed in the ground, when somebody puts a seed in a pot. Can you water that? Come back in five minutes and see something sprout up? No, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. Now, we, we serve a God that can make that happen. Okay, he can do anything and everything that he wants. He can make something sprout up right away. But Caleb waited 45 years. I've never waited 45 years for anything. Anything. I'm 30 years old, okay? I've waited for a wife for 30 years. That's about it. 45 years, that's a long time. And that's enough time to get discouraged. But yet, we get discouraged in a couple hours, (laughs) We get discouraged in 15 minutes because I prayed, I prayed for it, I, de- I declared it, I decreed it, and it, it hasn't happened yet. Well, it hasn't happened because the Lord hasn't said that it's time for it to happen. But that shouldn't stop you from planting a seed, amen? Don't stop planting. You got to plant something. And what you plant is important. You got to plant what the Lord is telling you to plant. Again, this is kind of driven home in verse 11. I'm still as young today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. He didn't lose any kind of momentum in believing in the promise. See, if you guys believe in me, hey, you're going to lose trust and lose steam. And Because you know what? I'm human. <laughs> I am just as sinful as you are. If you believe in, uh, well, let me say this. I need you to believe in me. Please do. It helps me out. Okay. Encouragement. <laughs> but 
But even as, with my dad, who's who's led this movement for 20-some years, it's the Christ in this man that we need to be following. Hopefully it's the Christ in me that you're going to follow. But to put my trust in, in man, man, that's, you'll fall off a cliff in seconds. But if you put it in the promise, if you put it in his word, if you put it in what he said, there ain't nothing nobody can say that's going to get you away from that. That's the type of confidence that you got to have walking into a situation, knowing that, you know what, this is what God said. So there's nothing that you can say that can deter me from asking for my inheritance. And you know what? The way in which I'm going to ask for it, I'm going to bring all this history of obedience and what the Lord said, and then I'm going to ask. Hey, need to get some steps right there. Um, verse 12, he says, now then, all right, after I've done all that stuff, now then, he asks, now then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that, uh, Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. You know, he doesn't mince words there. He says, now then, hey, come on. Can I have it? Give it to me, please. There's no, oh, well, you know, if you feel like it, and if you've had breakfast, you want breakfast, you go back, get breakfast, then I'll talk to you. No, he just asks. But because he's come and served it on a plate that says, look, I'm in a position where I can. And he's not challenging authority. He's not coming um, in a way that is disrespectful at all. He's coming with, with a promise that backs him. I want us as a church to be able to do that. Um, and then verse 13. So Joshua blessed him. So Joshua blessed him. So he gave it to him. He asked and he received. He reaped the harvest. Caleb reaped the harvest of the seed he planted some 45 years ago in being obedient. And not just being obedient 95%. He was obedient fully. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephaneah, Jephaneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephaneh, the Kenizzite, until that, until this day, because, again, he says it again, because he followed, followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now, there's something I want to say about this, this last verse in, in contrast to Abraham and Jacob. And I'm kind of going a little long here, so we have to, we have to close this real quick. So, worship team, can you come back up? Get ready for offering. Been waiting a long time to say that. It's kind of fun to say that. Hey, worship team. Here we go. Abraham jumped in front of the Lord. I don't know if you guys know the story of Abraham, but man's old. The Lord had promised him something that, hey, I'm going to make your descendants uh, number the the stars in the sky or the sand on the on the beach. It's going to be ridiculous, and he couldn't wait. 
couldn't wait for it. So what he did is he jumped in front of the Lord and he tried to make it happen. Well, he had a son from that and then he got himself right and had another son, Jacob. All right. Now, those two sons, they're they're the nations that came from those two sons. They're at war right now, even to this day. So (laughs) I would love to be able to get get into that more. But when you jump in front of the Lord, it doesn't work out. Okay, now this last verse, let me read this right quick. It says, um, then the land had rest from war. I think it's very important to understand that when, when Caleb followed the Lord fully and completely, that there was no war. There was no distress. There was no unrest because he just did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. Now, to kind of close this whole thing, I... I started out this message by saying that I believe that this has some individual implications, applications, but I also think it has corporate applications for where we're at as a church. That I've had the wonderful privilege of watching Jesus grow um, since her conception. I think there's only two other people, maybe three, who have seen that, who are still here. Kevin Moore is one of them, um, Norris Jones. And uh, maybe Susan Evans, am I right saying that? Um, but yeah, I've, I've had the wonderful privilege of seeing Isis be obedient, but I've also seen her be disobedient. <laughs> we got up to 2,500 people, and I'm telling you, more people you can shake a stick at. And my, my dad understood that, look, I'm, I'm climbing the wrong mountain. So what the Lord did is he took all that away, all of it. There's services where you were afraid to look behind you because... It's not that you were afraid that no one was there. It's because there was no one there. (laughs) There literally was nobody there. But what I've seen in the past 10 years is us be obedient. I've seen people with millions of dollars walk into my dad's office and say, look, I'm going to give you 500 grand right now for 363 Jefferson. Right now. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I could fix a lot. 500 grand. My goodness. Put rims on everything. All right? <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. So what I'm saying is that the corporate implication the corporate implication of this message is that we have been obedient as a church up until this point. The Lord said don't leave 363, so we stood our ground. And then he said, "You know what? I need you guys to let this building go." So we did. There's a lot of things that have happened in there. It doesn't really matter what you've done up until now if you've been been disobedient in anything. But if you start today and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to follow you fully. I'm going to be obedient fully. Then I can ask for my inheritance as a church for this building that we're about to get into. I feel like we're in a place where the Lord wants us to ask and ask specifically Lord, give us this this property. Give us this building because we've been obedient. And then watch him work. But I want you guys to be able to do that in your life as well. That you know what? There may be some areas where I haven't been, we haven't been, but I'm going to start today. I'm going to plant a seed of obedience for obedience sake so that I can have access to my inheritance. That's one of the ways to access your inheritance. Now, one of the things Rick preached on last week was Esther and Mordecai. 
Mordecai raised Esther and he didn't know at one point that he was going to have to call on her when she was in a place of authority. He didn't he didn't raise her with that in mind. But you know what? He had access to that inheritance into asking that because of the seed that he planted in this woman's life beforehand. He was able to access that. You trekking with me, church? Obedience, the seed of your inheritance. If you want to ask for something, first we got to know how to ask. But we got to understand that our obedience in the now is so important. Because we'll be able to reap that harvest in 10 years. You know what? We may be able to reap that harvest in 10 minutes. That's the type of God we serve. But don't stop planting. Amen? So let's have uh, offering come up here.